Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. On today's show, we'll discuss an important stretch for Wichita State as they try and put it together and climb back in this American Conference race. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talking with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor, it was another week of Shocker basketball where I just didn't know how to feel. On the one hand, I you know, feel like the team is playing better basketball. They're particularly shooting the ball better. You had that in your story today at Kansas.com. But they do go 1-1 one and one in a week that they probably needed to go 2-0. and oh. They, you know, fought back from a 16-point deficit in the second half against UCF, have some calls that maybe don't go their way at the end of the game. You had that at Kansas.com. And then even in the win over uh, USF, you had a team that, you know, I was kind of expecting a little bit more of a blowout. You're down late in the second half. Do fight back. Um, You know, we're seeing a reemergence of Dexter Dennis's shooting ability, which has happened almost every year in his career at Wichita State. Ricky Council, you know, really has a good game against USF. But just your thoughts after another kind of up and down week for Wichita State. Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. That UCF road game, that was one that Wichita State really needed to, to get back into play. Uh, for that top five uh, uh, berth in the conference tournament, we talked about last week how important that was uh, to Wichita State. You know, you don't want to play four games in four days uh, in Fort Worth to try to, you know, that's their last uh, avenue to the NCAA tournament right now. Is that you're, they're going to have to win that conference tournament. In Fort Worth, you know, the easiest way to do that is playing three three games and getting that first round by. Uh, although it could be a benefit of, you know, if, if Houston wins the conference, uh, yeah, there might be something to be said if they fall to six or seven, uh, then you're on the other side of Houston. Uh, but, you know, in all reality, you don't want to, you know, trying to play four games in, in four days is, is going to be a really, really tall task. And we, we talk about this because, you know, these are the games that are going to determine that. And that's why that, that UCF game was, was so uh, crucial. You know, if they win that, they're 5-5. Five and five. They jump, uh, they leapfrog UCF, uh, you know, which would be 6-7 and seven right now. And then they'd only be a half game back from Cincinnati and Temple in fifth place. And then you'd have a chance to leapfrog Cincinnati, uh, you know, if they win that game. So it was a pretty big domino to fall in Wichita State season, and, and really, you know, they started out uh, pretty well. I think they got up uh, got up by like uh, seven or nine early, and then just the wheels uh, came off. You know, turnovers started to bite them, uh, poor shot selection. They just played really, really poorly in the first half, and, you know, they just got straight up dominated for the first, you know, the last like 15 minutes of that first half. And then, you know, give them credit. You know, they, they fight back. They have some resilience. They bring it all the way back. They had a, a, a shot in the last minute that would have tied it, uh, barely bounced out. The putback, you know, bounces, I think, twice on the rim, rolls out. And then there's a kind of a controversial call with, you know, Brandon Mann uh, stepping out of bounds uh, to, to avoid the defense. And that was that ended up being like the, the game ceiling three-point play for UCF. And I know, uh, you know, some people thought I was misinterpreting that rule, but you know, after talking to the players and to the coaches after that game, you know, we, uh, 
you know, I felt pretty confident in it after reading the rule. And then, you know, they were texting referee friends that they had and, and, and they were hearing back the same thing. So I felt confident enough to, you know, go ahead with that story. And then, you know, it turns out two days later, the, um, you know, the head of the American uh, officiating group, uh, you know, they come out and admit that it was a missed call and Wichita State should have got the ball back. By no means does that mean that Wichita State should have won that game. You know, they, they were still down two points, but it is pretty, uh, you know, it's a huge impact because, you know, that took away one more chance for Wichita State uh, to potentially tie the game or take the lead. And, you know, with the way that Tyson Etienne was shooting down the stretch, you know, you would have loved to at least get got him one more look at, at, at the at the basket. So uh, that, that was a, a key, uh, key missed call and uh, a key missed opportunity. But, you know, Really, you know, at the end of the day, the Shockers only have themselves to blame for falling into that deep of a hole. Uh, the turnovers, just the, the lapses on defense in the first half, you know, that came back to bite them. And, uh, you know, it'll remain to be seen just how big of a loss that is, uh, you know, because they needed as much margin for error as they could get. Because these next three games that we're about ready to talk about, you know, these are three, I mean, this is one of the toughest stretches on the schedule. So, you know, they're probably going to have to go two and one. Uh, to get back in this conversation, and that's going to be a tall task. Taylor, let me ask you real quick. Let's let's assume on that play at the end of the game against UCF that Porter decides that he he sees he's like he stepped out of bounds. Is that something that would have been potentially reviewable since it's an out of bounds situation, or is that because a a player steps out of bounds? That's I'm I'm just kind of curious because I think everybody agrees that was a missed call. Officials should have caught that, but is that somewhat on the coaching staff for not recognizing that that's potentially a situation that you can review? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a fair question, and uh, I mean I didn't get an answer to that. If that was reviewable, I, I believe that it would be. Uh, but you know you have to remember that's on the opposite side of the court. I, I think it was on the opposite side of the court. You know the, the coaches did not have uh, you know even if it was on the same side you know that's a really tough angle to see because it wasn't like he, he stepped way out of bounds you know both of his feet were uh just touching the the inbounds line you know they were clearly out but you know not by much so really uh you know it's on the players to, to alert the coaching staff and i don't know if those conversations uh, took place i know i talked right after the game with craig porter who said that you know that's what um you know he thought he saw um you know who knows if that affected you know whether he you know, stop for a second or if that's, you know, how he got by him. But uh, he did mention that, that he thought he stepped out. And, you know, when, when he caught the ball, he thought it was going to be a violation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been interesting. Uh, I don't know if it was reviewable. I'm assuming it was because, like you said, it was an out-of-bounds out call. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, I mean, it's tough to say in the moment, you know, there's a lot going on. Craig Porter obviously fouled out. Um, but I don't know if he, he mentioned that to the coaching staff uh, right right away or not. But you know that's tough to uh, you know tough to make those you know those discussions and and, and make that call you know when it was so, with so much going on. So I don't know um, uh, how to answer that. I guess I mean we'd have to know if you know what Craig said to the coaching staff and and, and go from there. But um, yeah, I mean it, it would have been an interesting call if that that had been overturned. And like I said, you know, which I'll say would have got one more crack at it. And Porter wouldn't have fouled out. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was a pretty big play. And but like I said, you know, a lot of it comes off as sour grapes because the, you know Wichita State lost the game, and and now you're kind of bringing it up uh, all these days later. But you know, at the same time, you know that that was a huge call. 
that directly impacted, you know, um, you know, a game that, that was pretty crucial for Wichita State. But, you know, you can make the argument, like I said earlier, that, you know, Wichita State only has themselves to blame for being in that position. You don't want to uh, have the game come down to, you know, uh, leave it in the, the referee's hands. So uh, they, they have to play better. They didn't, you know, they're on this quest to play 40 straight minutes of, of solid basketball. And, and on that night, we only got, you know, 20-25. So, you know, uh, that, that's what they're looking for. They're, it's not like they're still caught up on that game. I think they, they kind of view it as, you know, we just got to play better and we got to finish these games better. They had real or one argument, in my opinion, it was actually the call on Darius Perry in the out of bounds right before that. I was, you know, I think all of us were watching on TV except you, Taylor, because you were there. But the replay, in my opinion, I, I thought was more clear in that that was off of Perry and should have been Wichita State's ball than the, you know, knowing that this rule existed and, and have the opportunity to get the ball back at that point. So really, I, I felt like there was kind of two calls missed right in a row there. Yeah. Oh, and then Perry, I mean, he traveled right before that, too. So. Um, you know, when you look back at that play, you know, that, that probably should have uh, gone Wichita State's way um, right before it. And, and I agree with you. I put that in the, that clip in the, the story as well, because, I mean, I'm pretty, it looks like the ball comes off of his fingertips, uh, you know, coming up uh, when, it, when it goes out of bounds. But, you know, from what I've been told from, you know, like the Wichita State coaching staff is that they, they submitted several clips from that game. Um, and their feedback that they got back from Mike Eads, the, the director of officials, was that, you know, a lot of calls went against, or a lot of missed calls happened that, that you know, went against Wichita State. I think there were like five or six clips that they sent in, and, you know, five or six came back that, you know, the call was uh, missed. And the one that they, they said wasn't missed, though, funny enough, was the, the Perry call. They said there wasn't enough evidence there to, to overturn that. I mean, uh, that that one is tough because I I do think that it uh, you know it looks like it's coming off of his fingertips but uh, you know it's such a close call you know whatever was called on the floor was probably going to stand. Would you agree with my assessment that in both games the Shocker offense seems to you know be looking a little better? Yeah, I mean they're they're starting to make shots now, and IB just uh, talked about that today. Is you know uh, they started out zero and four, and I think they were shooting like sub thirty percent in conference uh, behind the three point line. And then ever since then, you know, they've, they've gone four and two these last six. You know, we've started to see a little bit better offense. Uh, the three-point shooting has, has skyrocketed. I think they're at 37% uh, the last six games. And, you know, that correlates with, you know, we're starting to see more efficiency from Tyson Etienne. We're starting to see Ricky Council, you know, take over late in games. We're, we're seeing, like you mentioned, you know, Dexter Dennis, it's time for his annual, you know, awake and he awakes from the slumber and whatever it is about the month of February, I mean, he just goes uh, goes crazy, and he's shooting, I think, forty seven percent so far in February in the four games. So, uh, all these players are starting to play better. It feels like Wichita State is trending, you know, in the right direction. And I kind of talked about that today in my story that you know you got Tyson is scoring more efficiently, efficiently. Dex's shot is is starting to come on. You know, Ricky is stepping up down the stretch. Uh, Craig Porter, I feel like he's playing the best basketball of his career right now. So really, you know, we're seeing a lot of flashes of that potential. And, you know, the, the game that really came together was SMU. And, you know, that's the first place team in the conference right now. And so the Wichita State, this team has shown that it has potential to beat anybody in this conference. But, you know, the problem with this team is like so much of the consistency. You know, we get that for 20, 25 minutes. But man, like when they're bad, 
they are very, very bad. And, you know, the offense just comes to a grinding halt. And, and we've talked so many times about these four or five, six minute scoring droughts and, you know, just the consistency. That's what separates, you know, the middle of the pack from the very top. And last year, you know, they were able to be consistent for 40 minutes. They were able to pull out a lot of games down the stretch because they played well down the stretch. And this season, you know, we've kind of seen uh, them fall back. And, you know, for whatever reason that is, you know, they haven't been able to pull out these games down the stretch. And, you know, that's really been the difference uh, in this season because it doesn't feel like there's a lot that separates Wichita State from, you know, uh, the top of this conference. You know, you look at some of these losses and, you know, the last uh, one, two, three, four, the last four losses have come by uh, a combined like 10 points, I think. Uh, so it's not like they're losing they're just getting ran out of the building. They're just losing close games. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, three or four shots away in these games of, you know, we're talking about an entirely different season, uh, one that we expected. So there's not much that separates Wichita State from where we thought they would be. But, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's been disappointing for everyone on the team to be at four and six in conference play. But, you know, if you're going to look for an optimistic view, and believe that this team can make a run in March, you're going to look at, you know, that, that SMU game and, and flashes of what we've seen the last six games. They just got to put it all together now. Four and two in the last six games, but still have not won a road game since that game at Oklahoma State on December 1st. If you look at the standings, I think it would be hard for Wichita State to get any higher than fifth. Tulane is in fourth place, and unless they really you know, fall back to earth here. The two victories over Wichita State, they're going to be above them. So the three teams they need to leapfrog are UCF, Cincinnati, and Temple. Now, if we look at the schedule, Memphis and Cincinnati play tonight. Memphis is the hottest team in the league. They've won five in a row. SMU plays Temple tomorrow. SMU is obviously, you know, outside of the game in Wichita, very hot, have won two in a row, and now first place in the conference on Thursday, Wichita State plays Cincinnati so they can help themselves. UCF travels to Houston. So as far as, you know, kind of starting to climb back up there in the loss column, I definitely think it's possible as early as this week that they could really change the game. But to your point, they really need to go 2-1 and one in this three-game stretch. And if we're being you know realistic with how they've played this season, 1-2 and two, or even 0-3 oh is maybe more likely. But they have an opportunity for some revenge. The Cincinnati game is one that they probably should have taken care of business at home. So many scenarios like that this week that you could say. But just your, your thoughts on that middle tier of the conference and the Shockers' ability to climb back up the standings. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to imagine uh, fifth place being, uh, you know, if they lose one more, they pretty much have to only lose one more and finish this out, you know, four and one, because, you know, that would give them an eight and seven record. It's hard to imagine any worse uh, for fifth place in this conference. You know, everybody's beating up on each other. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, six or seven losses, but um, yeah, they got it. And, you know, that, that, that loss probably can't be, to Cincinnati they got to be Cincinnati because you know that's one of the teams they're going against and they need to knock them down and um I, I don't think Temple is going to finish high up there because you know they have like the toughest schedule uh remaining of any team I believe so you know you can probably expect you know three or four more losses there they still have to play Houston uh you know pretty much all the top teams in the Americans so you know they, they might finish you know one and one and uh five or two and four so I would kind of mark them off as the competition and, and then I would, you know, circle Cincinnati. That's that's probably the team 
but even them, you know, they, they play, um, uh, let's see here. They still have they Cincinnati still have or, uh, excuse me. They still have Houston. They still have SMU Cincinnati. Does. Yeah. They got two, yeah, two, two tough road games. Uh, so, and, and then they play Memphis, uh, tonight. So that's going to be a tough one as well. So they, you maybe get three more losses out of Cincinnati. So, um, it'll be interesting, uh, and Wichita State, like I said, I mean, they, they have to win that game at Cincinnati, uh, to get back in this race. But, um, like I said, too, like, uh, it, it's not the end of the world if they don't get the top five. Cause, you know, if they get six and you're probably playing South Florida or Tulsa, you know, a team that, that Wichita State feels very confident that it can beat. And then, you know, maybe the, the, the silver lining is you get on the opposite side of Houston. Uh, it just depends on how the top of this race shakes out. If it's, SMU or Houston at the end of the number one seed because you probably don't want to be on the same side as Houston. You know, Wichita State showed what it can do against SMU. They feel okay there. I mean, they, they've, you know, Memphis has been a terrible matchup for Wichita State for years now. So uh, you might even want to avoid them uh, on that side of the bracket too. But, you know, at that point, you can't really, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So uh, we'll have to see how this race plays out. But uh, like I said, you know, four and one should be the goal. If Wichita State is going to finish fifth in this conference, you know, to finish out the season four and one. I I said today that, uh, you know, the 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 makeup games are probably not happening. It's probably you know essentially a zero percent chance that they they get the SMU or the Temple game back on the schedule just by process of elimination. Now uh, they they have one date left that would work for for both of those games but it's just like logistically probably not possible it just wouldn't make much sense for for either side uh to get that on the schedule at this point so this is probably the the set you know these are the five games uh that Wichita State's going to play to finish out the year and uh yeah you know you can't afford to take uh more than probably one loss if you're going to get that top five bid and and get that first round buy in, in Fort Worth Cincinnati also plays UCF that those two teams might kind of naturally knock each other out, but certainly will be tough. And I think it's disappointing. They won't be able to make up any of these games. Um, although at the same time, going down to SMU, maybe you lose that game and that's hurt you in the standings. And so really, I guess the temple game would be the only one that I'd, I'd really want to try and get in and logistically getting to Philadelphia is certainly difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to is that, uh, you know, Wichita State has that week off uh, after the, the Houston game in between the Memphis game. And, you know, that's obviously would work well for them. But they're like, you know, the only team in the conference that has the middle of the week off. So it just uh, really wouldn't work uh, logistically wise for Temple or SMU. You know, you could fit in. Like I said, there's uh, one date for each of those games that would work where neither team is playing before or after. But then it's just like you're just cramming it in there. Um, you know, you would be asking teams to play three and five days, uh, just basically, you know, one day of prep right after a game. And, you know, it's just hard to believe that, you know, at this point in the season, any three of these teams, Wichita State, Temple, SMU would want uh, to, you know, cram that on their schedule and play games with only one day of prep. So um, I, I don't think those games are going to get rescheduled. Uh, IB said basically as much. He said, you know, right after the SMU game got this, uh, you know, postponed, he gave SMU, you know, the two or three days that would work on Wichita State's schedule, and they never heard back. So um, that, that's kind of, uh, I mean, he made it sound like Wichita State has been wanting to try to play these games, but, you know, it hasn't had, you know, it's a two-way street. The other side has to agree to play. You know, the conference isn't going to step in and force them to reschedule. 
you know, they've made it clear that it's up to the two teams to, to work it out amongst themselves. So, you know, it's, uh, if the other team doesn't want to play, there's not much Wichita State can do. You had a lot of great content this past week at Kansas.com. One of those stories was on all the former Shockers who are playing professionally. I know there had been some questions about particularly Alterique Gilbert, who was on last year's team. So just anything you found interesting or maybe didn't include in the story that you might add? Yeah, that was kind of cool. I, I got a heads up from a, a fan, actually, who uh, had messaged me and was like, hey, did you know Alterique Gilbert's playing over in Estonia? And I, I had not heard that. You know, I got uh, so many questions at the start of uh, this season about what he was doing and wh- uh, what what he was up to because you know, a lot of people figured that he would just play play college basketball again. But, you know, I was told from the start that, you know, that wasn't an option. Uh, you know, whatever came next was going to be a, a pro uh, pro opportunity for him. And uh, what I was told, you know, he just went back home to Atlanta and kind of hung out and trained and, and was just waiting for the right opportunity to present itself in, in professional basketball. And I guess he finally found one in Estonia. And it's pretty cool that, you know, the home country of a former shocker, Rano Nerger, and uh, he's actually playing in the same league as, as Rano. And, you know, they're, they're on the, you know, their two teams are the number one and number two teams. So it's a pretty good chance that those, those guys will play for a championship uh, in May. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, you know, it's always fun to, to figure out, you know, like how, how the old players are doing and, and who's, uh, who's still playing, uh, you know, Ramon Clemente, uh, I think he's like 36 now. He's uh, the oldest shocker still playing. That was pretty cool to see him still doing his thing down in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, Clevin Hanna, who I, I play with him at the Northwest Y when he's, when he's back in town, he's still playing at a super high level and in Spain's uh, top league. And, uh, you know, Joe Raglan's having a really, really good year. Um, trying to think of who else kind of caught my attention. I know Daryl Willis is having, uh, you know, a solid, uh, solid year. Um, Rashard Kelly is, is playing well and his team is uh, doing well in the Euro Cup. And uh, uh, Connor Frankamp, a lot of people like to you know uh, ask about what he's doing. Um, he, he actually had just started to hit his groove. Uh, as many people know, he, he signed to like the highest, one of the best uh, pro teams in the world outside the NBA. He's playing in the Euro League. And he was finally starting to get his groove and, and, and uh, suffered a pretty significant ankle injury. So that has held him out for basically the last month. So uh, he was coming off the bench for Zenit, who is, uh, you know, a EuroLeague contender. You know, like I said, you know, one of the probably four or five best teams in the world outside the, the NBA. So he was coming off the bench. It's kind of the, the spark plug and the sharpshooter for them. So um and, and that's kind of set him back so that that's kind of disappointing for him but yeah i mean like i said it's just fun to 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 go back and, and see some of these guys that are still playing and uh, kind of get updates you know it takes a while to do you have to go through every uh profile and and uh click on them and, and kind of try to put it in perspective and uh but you know it's worth it to kind of uh, uh shed light on some of these guys and um also jamie etchenike you know Obviously, he made a history earlier this NBA season, you know, the first Colombian-born player to get in a game. And, uh, you know, maybe some people forgot about him after that happened, but he's just been dominating at the G League level. You know, he's averaging 18 and 10, uh, just posting up, you know, monster double-doubles every game. So uh, he, he's really capitalized on this, this opportunity uh, to be, you know, a level below the NBA, you know, whenever the, the Wizards might need him next. You know, I, I have a you know, pretty good feeling that he might get another chance in the NBA uh, just because of how well he's playing. 
You brought up the NBA. You also had the chance to talk with Fred Van Vliet first or fresh off of his all-star selection down in Oklahoma City. How was that discussion? Yeah, Fred is always uh, always cool. Uh, I was able to reach out to him beforehand and kind of set that up. And uh, yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to take the time. You know, they were on a back-to-back. Uh, you know, they're trying to get out of there right after the game in Oklahoma City. And uh, so, I mean, he didn't have to take the time to do that. And it was, you know, so nice of him to, you know, take 10 minutes out of his busy schedule and, uh, and and hook me up with an interview. So he's always been super nice. You know, uh, you know, I didn't cover him when he was at Wichita State, but I've gotten to know him a little bit, you know, when he's come back in Wichita. You know, I'm friends with some of his friends back here. And, uh, you know, he's just always been super gracious. You know, everything you've heard about him off the court, you know, it's it's 100% true. Just, you know, the nicest guy. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like, the NBA Finals a couple of years ago, um, you know, when everybody wanted to talk to him. You know, he was like the, the hottest story because he was coming out of nowhere. You know, he was a huge performer for the Raptors in that finals. And, uh, I mean, he, he gave me like a one-on-one interview, uh, like when he wasn't doing that with anybody. Uh, so uh, I'm, I've always been super appreciative of, of Fred and, and uh, you know, just how gracious he's been with his time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just he's on, you know, at the top of the world right now. You know, everybody knows the story that's listening to this and to, to be an all-star. I mean, it just doesn't seem real. And for him to, uh, you know, be named an all-star, then he gets engaged to his longtime girlfriend and, you know, mother of his two children. So it's like, he's just, you know, he's, he's winning at life right now. And it's, it'll be pretty cool to see him on the biggest stage in the NBA with all those other all-stars, the best players in the league. And now you have to put Fred Van Vliet, you know, his name's right up in there. Probably the biggest breaking news of the week was your story that Wichita State AD Darren Boatwright received a contract extension in October of 2020. It was never announced publicly, took an open records request to find out that information. The timing seems a little weird on that, the fact that it wasn't announced, but then more than anything, I feel like the athletic department's kind of just let it float out there or, or not you know, changed anyone's opinion when it was reported that his contract was up this year. Uh, so just kind of your thoughts on, on how you came to have that story and, and overall the, the picture there. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of common knowledge that, you know, the, his last public uh, contract was uh, due up in the end of the summer. So it was just kind of like a natural follow-up question that I had is, I mean, it's pretty rare to see uh, a coach or an athletic director reach the final year of a contract is, you know, you're, you're either, uh, you know, you're either leaving or you're getting extended. So I thought that was kind of unusual. So I made a, uh, you know, a public request, uh, uh, open records request for the contract. And, and lo, lo and behold, I mean, he signed a contract uh, extension with uh, then the interim president, uh, Rick Muma, uh, in October 2020. And, and like you said, you know, the timing was, was curious. You know, it was exactly one week, you know, put it in perspective, you know, it's one week after the stadium story drops, uh, you know, alleging all these abuses from, from former head coach Greg Marshall. So it was exactly one week after that, uh, you know, Muma was the interim president. They're still dealing with the fallout of, you know, Jay Golden, uh, you know, immediately leaving uh, and resigning. Uh, so you're, you're dealing with that. You got the coronavirus pandemic going on. So there's just a lot of stuff going on when that gets signed. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just not not good optics, I guess, and that's probably the reason why they didn't, you know, uh, weren't, you know, uh, I guess enthusiastic to to get that news out there. And um, you know, I think they 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 knew that it was going to come out eventually, so I don't think this was a, a total shock from them. It wasn't like I was putting something out there uh, that was like shocking to them. 
uh, they knew, you know, it was going to come out eventually. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, obviously a boat ride has declined the comment. And then I reached out to the president's office and I didn't get a response from him. I got a response from a communication uh, person from Wichita State University who who's told me, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, they, they couldn't remember exactly why they didn't put out a release about it. Uh, but they just, uh, they said maybe it wasn't a priority at the time, which is, you know, kind of hard to believe, uh, you know, boat rights, obviously uh, a high profile person in the athletic director uh, position. Uh, he's making, you know, some of the biggest money of any, uh, you know, state employee. So it, it's hard to believe that it wasn't a priority, uh, you know, because anytime you sign someone to an extension, whether it's a coach or an AD, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's common practice to put out a press release and kind of hype that person up. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can kind of read in between the lines of uh, maybe they were just, they didn't think it was going to be good optics at the time. And, you know, I, I've tried to, to follow up and, uh, uh, and try to get an interview with doc, Dr. Muma. Um, that's, it hasn't happened yet, but you know, they, they haven't shut it down yet too. So maybe we'll have more news on that this week. Uh, but as of now, you know, they haven't answered any follow-up questions. And um, so, I mean, that that's kind of where the story is at right now. Um, okay. It's not really – I don't criticize too much the athletic department. Maybe maybe I'm sure they deserve some, but it's more on, like, the, you know, the higher-ups at, at the university for not putting out the press release. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, it'll be interesting to see if they do answer questions, what that will be like because, you know, it's very unusual timing. and then to to not put it out. And then also the fact that, you know, you're given a raise during the coronavirus pandemic when you ask a lot of employees to, uh, you know, take pay cuts or, or to put those, uh, you know, not get raises. So um, a lot of stuff to, you know, a lot of questions out there that still have uh, yet to be answered, but, you know, I'm working on it. We'll, we'll see if I can get to the bottom of it and, and see if they want to answer questions about it. I believe I read on Twitter or, or somewhere this week they said Wichita State fans we aren't worthy of you Taylor and your reporting so scoop Eldridge at it again it is interesting timing I'm like fine. I said they kind of just let it float out there that his contract was expiring this year and you don't want to get too in the you know up daily personnel decisions and things but just something to certainly keep an eye on when we move to this week's games Thursday the Shockers will travel to Cincinnati it's a 6 p.m broadcast on ESPN2. Of course, Wichita State lost 61-57 earlier this year at Coke Arena, had a double-digit lead, weren't able to make some plays late. I believe Cincinnati scored the last five points in that game. And as we've already talked about, just simply a, a must-win for Wichita State if they do want to climb up this uh, conference ladder. Yeah, they didn't have a Craig Porter for that game last time, so uh, they, they feel more confident going into this one because, you know, Craig is not only back, but, you know, he's come back from that that absence, and he's just been, uh, you know, way more aggressive on offense looking for his shot. And uh, I'm working on a feature story on him, actually, right now that I hope to have uh, out this week. But, uh, um, yeah, it's uh, he's finally kind of realizing that potential and putting it all together. I feel like he's playing the best basketball of his career right now. Uh, you know, everyone knows what he can do, uh, you know, blocking shots, skying for rebounds, uh, setting up others. But now we're starting to see his aggression take over on offense. You know, those step back threes have been uh, such a uh, pleasant sur surprise for Wichita State. And, you know, this is a guy that could, uh, you know, teams are leaving wide open uh, because he, he couldn't make threes. And, and now he's shooting 39% on the year. It feels like every, sh every three he makes, 
is a step back three pointer over over a pretty solid contest. So, um, you know, he's shooting forty three percent in conference, and uh, that's just opened up Wichita State's offense. The more that he's going to shoot and be aggressive, like I said, you know, defenses are going to have to stay attached to him longer. And it, it seems like they're still, you know, leaving him a little bit open, and they're still going to take their chances. Uh, you know, uh, just making him make a play on offense, trying to do it himself because, you know, he loves setting others up so much. The defenses are challenging him uh, to, to beat them on his own. And he's stepped up to that challenge and shown that he's uh, plenty capable of doing it. So, um, yeah, that's a huge uh, piece for Wichita State moving forward. And, and having him back for this uh, Cincinnati road game is key. And, you know, Fifth Third Arena is really, really tough to play. You know, it's probably the, you know, second or third best atmosphere, uh, you know, in the American, I would put, you know, Coke Arena, you know, Memphis is a tough place to play when they have everyone there. And then, uh, you know, Cincinnati, those are the three you can kind of debate wh- wh- where where it falls. But, you know, Cincinnati is an incredibly tough place to play. And, uh, you know, the Strikers haven't had, uh, you know, a ton of success there since that first year. So, you know, they're going to have to try to go back out there. And like, like you said, you know, this is a, a very crucial game. Which I'll see if it's going to get to where it wants to at the end of the season. You probably got to win this one. So, a uh, big game for the Shockers, and they're going to have to play better on the road. They're going to have to play much better than they did against South Florida. You know, that was probably like a C, C minus effort um, from the Shockers, I felt like. So, they're going to have to bring like a B plus, A minus uh, level effort on Thursday if they're going to come out with a win at Cincinnati. And they've struggled, you know, both at home and on the road with Cincinnati over the years. Cincinnati's won eight out of the 10 American Conference meetings. Six of those, though, have come down to the final possession. So it seems like the game is always close late. I, re- you know, I, I felt like it was a rivalry, but I always said you can't call me a rival till you go in and win a couple games. Those Cronin Marshall years, I felt like this game always had a lot of importance with Cincinnati leaving for the Big 12. You know, you, you don't get as excited maybe or as up for this game, but certainly one they need to take care of. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it seems like this game, this uh, this matchup almost always comes down to uh, the, the final minutes. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it does again Thursday. You know, David Julius, their their guard has been you know, pretty lights out lately. I think he's averaging like 20 points the last four or five games. And, uh, you know, that was the guy that beat him down the stretch in Wichita. So uh, I think Tyson Etienne, um, you know, he, he's like I said, he's trending in the right direction. It's been more efficient these last six games. He's got to keep that up. You can't have, you know, more of these 12 points on, you know, 15, 16 shot games. Uh, he needs, you know, 20 points on, on 12 shots, 13 shots, something like that. So um, you get the feeling that Wichita State's offense is, is trending in the right direction. We're starting to see better ball movement, uh, better actions, uh, better execution, I would say. Um, you know, they're still, it's still frustrating to watch them, like the screens uh, that, that get set or, or not set in this case is, is a little frustrating to watch. It feels like they could get better stuff off of their ball screen offense. I mean, it's a ball screen offense. Like, you know, you got to set a good screen to make the play work. And, and there's just too many times where, you know, the defender shoots the gap or, you know, the point guard is there's too much space in between and the defender's able to go over easily or, you know, the screen just doesn't get set hard enough. And, uh, you know, the big guy uh, doesn't stand in there and set the screen to create an advantage. So it feels like they could be getting more off of that, but we've seen better, you know, uh, better sets, better actions that they've been running lately. 
Uh, you know, I really like the ghost screen action that they've been running late in games, uh, you know, where Tyson Etienne will be like, he would have the ball up front or it's Craig Porter. And then like whoever you want in the two game action, you know, it's either Craig, if like Craig has the ball and Tyson just comes sprinting up, acts like he's going to set a screen and it, it doesn't do it. And then just like pops to the three point line and it puts so much pressure on the defense to communicate, to either switch that or, or, uh, you know, to stay steady. And it's, uh, you know, kind of nerve wracking to have a, somebody like sprinting at you and feel like you're going to, you know, be able to play defense on a drive. So puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And Wichita State has been able to get a lot of good stuff out of that action. Pretty simple stuff. But, you know, uh, when Wichita State runs it well, uh, you know, they've been getting great shots either for Tyson or for a drive for Craig or even a, a kick out to a wide open corner threes. So uh, that's something that I would look for down the stretch of this game is that ghost action. How many times Wichita State can get good shots out of that down the stretch? Cincinnati is Ken Palm ranked number 81. Wichita State is Ken Palm ranked number 82. So they are virtually identical from a analytics perspective. The game that turned the season for Wichita State last year was a home win over Houston. They will have that opportunity this Sunday at noon. Game will be broadcast on ESPN. It is a blackout. Don't look now, but Houston has lost two games in a row. They'll play UCF on Thursday before coming to Wichita. They beat the Shockers by 10 in early January. That was a game that, uh, you know, maybe the final score makes it seem a little closer than it was. The Shockers rallied but never could really get over the hump or feel like they were really challenging Houston in that game. And obviously Houston currently is the class of the conference, even with the two losses this week, still would project that they will end up finishing you know winning the league this year but what what does Wichita State need to do different this time around against Houston to have a chance at home yeah you know if you remember that uh that game last year at Coke Arena you know the Shockers made a a ton of shots and uh, a lot of big three-pointers you know Altari Gilbert had a pretty huge game for the Shockers and uh you know Tyson Etienne had three threes I'm looking at now Wichita State uh made 10 threes and that that feels about right for like what they're going to need uh, this time around, uh, they shot 46% from beyond the arc. And, you know, they're probably going to need uh, a similar effort this time around because, you know, Houston is so good at, you know, second chance opportunities and, and beating you on the glass. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a big effort, a uh, big challenge for Wichita State to, um, you know, challenge them on the boards. They were able to do that last year, though. You know, Wichita State grabbed 15 offensive boards. And Houston had 15 offensive boards, and because of the percentages, you know, WSU actually out-rebounded them. And that's going to be a big part of this one, too. You know, you're probably not going to keep uh, Houston off the offensive glass. So Wichita State's going to have to, you know, go all in and, and try to, uh, to even uh, be better at grabbing offensive rebounds at the other end. You know, that's probably their only chance of, of this game. You know, they're, they're not a great shooting team, so I wouldn't count on them shooting, you know, 45% or anything. So, you know, the way to, uh, you know, keep uh, the scoring high is to get uh, second chance opportunities. And uh, so we'll see, you know, guys like Monzi and guys like Ricky Council, Dexter Dennis, uh, Morris Udeze, guys like that, you know, they, they got to crash the glass and get offensive rebounds uh, to, uh, you know, generate these second chances. So, uh, and, and it feels like a game, like I said, where Shaw State's going to need. 10 plus three pointers right now they're averaging like 9.8 in the last six games uh they're shooting 37 percent as a team basically making 10 threes a game so it's not like it's totally out of character but if they can get 10 plus threes uh you know be close to even on the glass 
and then just not go crazy with turnovers, you know, probably limit it to 15, 14 or below anything above that is going to be very, very difficult to beat Houston. Even with the two recent losses, Houston is still Ken Palm ranked number eight in the nation. And as you mentioned, it definitely going to be a tough matchup. If there's one little last ounce of Cocarina magic that we can squeeze out of this season, I do feel like the crowds have been good for SMU and for South Florida. We don't have football to worry about anymore. Not that Wichita State fans are, uh, you know, focused on football necessarily. And so, you know, maybe you have that, you know, electric home atmosphere guys get hot at the right time and, and can squeak out of win. Yeah. And the good news is, uh, you know, last year when they won that game, I wasn't at Coke arena. That was like one of the, the only home games I missed. And then this year I'll be in Cleveland. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be like the, the, you know, the circumstances which that state needs to, you know, pull off these upset wins over Houston at home. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part, you know, the Shockers just got to go out there and, you know, just do the same magical uh, performance they did last year. Like, cause that that got them in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that basically won them the conference, and it got IB the job. So, you know, that was probably one of the most important games in Wichita State uh, recent history. If they do win, we're going to start a hashtag, and you're never going to be allowed out of game again. So, ban <laughs> yeah. yeah, Taylor from the check. <laughs> Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, this one's going to be pretty simple. Rematch against Cincinnati. Buy or sell, Wichita State gets revenge this Thursday. Let's start with you, Taylor. Man, I'm going to – I mean, I have faith in this team. I think they're, they're better than their record. Uh, I'm going to buy it. Um, like I said, I think they're trending in the right direction. They haven't been able to put it together on the road, so it is a leap of faith. But uh, I think the potential is there with this team, and I, I have a feeling they're going to make a, a strong push like they normally do in February. Cincinnati has a tough game tonight with Memphis playing two days uh, later against Wichita State. We've talked about how many close losses there have been, always come down to the last one. One thing Wichita State did good in the game in Wichita is they out or they rebounded the ball well, out-rebounded the Bearcats by seven. I think they'll have another good day on the glass. Craig Porter makes a difference. I will buy. They will beat the Bearcats. All right, one of the objections or struggles that Morsudeze has had over his career at Wichita State is how focused he gets on only shooting the ball once he puts it on the deck. Once he gets it in the post, it's almost always a shot going up. However, the last couple games, we have seen him kicking it out, finding open shooters, and getting assists, which thus far he has not really done in his career. Buy or sell, Morsudeze keeps that up the remainder of the season and can be counted on for one to two assists per game. I'll buy if it's one assist. I'm going to sell if it's two assists. So <laughs> it's usually a vacuum when it goes down there, but we'll see. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, I'm about at the same point. You know, it's hard to believe you would average two assists, but you know, he, they are playing some aggressive defenses. I will say, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, Memphis, all three of those uh, will probably monster the post. So there's going to be chances for him to, uh, to kick out, uh, but we haven't seen too much success uh, uh, with him, uh, you know, taking advantage of those, uh, you know, at a high degree. So I'm in the same boat as Dustin, where it's like, if you can average one, I think that's a, that's a victory. Anything more than that, you know, is probably uh, pretty unlikely. All right. And we've been seeing a lot around the American Houston, obviously losing a couple games actually gives SMU and Memphis key marquee victories that they've been looking for on their resume so i'm going to give it to you now your opportunity is buy or sell the american can get three teams into the ncaa tournament uh, i mean i'm going to buy it i mean it's a possibility for sure i think uh memphis 
now that they're fully healthy, um, you know, a lot of people forget like how banged up and how many different lineups they were going through at the start of conference play. And now that they're fully healthy. You know, they're, they are a very, very talented team. You know, you can't forget that this is a, you know, top 10 potential team. And you know, I remember when they, they came into Coke arena and just, you know, trounced the shockers by 18, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, they lost to a six and five team. Uh, you know, it's a terrible loss. Well, you know, uh, and that's kind of been the case for a lot of Wichita State's early losses. You know, I, I remember hearing the same thing about K-State. Well, look at K-State now. You know, they're, they played themselves into the NCAA tournament field. Uh, you know, Arizona, uh, you know, they're a top five team in the country now. So uh, a lot of those uh, games have been tougher than what they made it look like early in the season. And Memphis, you know, they're a top 10, like I said, potential team when they have it going. You know, they haven't had Imani Bates, uh, which might actually make them better. Uh, I mean, he just was so inefficient, high volume score that, you know, this is probably their best version of their team. You know, they've won five in a row. I'm a, I'm a full believer that they get it done. They get in the, the AEC uh, tournament or in the NCAA tournament, and then it just comes down to SMU. You know, they're probably going to have to win the conference tournament, uh, you know, barring, uh, you know, if they win out maybe, uh, which would include a, a road win at Houston and they would sweep Houston. Uh, that might get them into the tournament. That I think they have to play Memphis still too. Uh, so that's going to be hard to see. It's just going to come down to if they if there's a, a non-Houston or Memphis tournament winner. Uh, I would bet I would bet very uh, highly on two teams getting in. A third is going to be up to you know the conference tournament winner. So I guess that's my long-winded way of saying I'll buy that there's a chance, but you know I think the odds are uh, you know there's probably only going to get two. Taylor gave a very long-winded response of what I would have said. So <laughs> I think if the tournament winner's not Houston or Memphis, Memphis is kind of in that next four out, first four out scenario right now, and they've been playing well. They did go on a big run at the end of last season as well. But I kind of think Memphis is like Tesla stock. When you know when it's not going good, everyone wants to pile on them and laugh. And when it's going good, everyone thinks this is the greatest you know this greatest team ever. It's so volatile back and forth of you know kind of the ride they've had this season. But they do, you know, five wins in a row do appear to be putting it in the right direction. All right. And finally, you know, we're, we're coming down the stretch, the end of the season. Obviously, we've talked about some players we expect to move on. What do you see as the possibilities with the way everything is playing out that Wichita State ends up returning three starters next season, buy or sell? I will sell that. Um, now, if we count Ricky Council as a starter, maybe you can you can get closer to that. But I will sell that. Yeah, I mean, I, I sell also that too. I think Mo and Dex are they're graduating, so they're they're moving on. Uh, Tyson's moving on uh, to probably uh, you know play pro ball. So there, there's three right there. So I'll, I'll sell that too. All right, Taylor. Anything coming out this week at Kansas.com? Yeah, like I said, I'll be working on that Craig uh, Craig Porter feature. I hope to have that out uh, maybe Thursday, day of the game, if I can, uh, you know, get the phone calls made. Um, then I'll have the Fred coverage, you know, starting uh, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll have uh, stuff coming out about him, uh, what it's been like for him to, uh, you know, get there, and you know, he's, he's playing in the or he's doing the three point contest on Saturday night, and playing in the game on Sunday night, so. Uh, I'll have uh, you know stuff from there, uh, some color from uh, from his time in, in Cleveland. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get the one on one with him again, uh, just because the COVID stuff is super stringent, uh, you know, in the All Star break. So 
Um, I don't know if I'll get the one-on-one again, but, you know, I will have, you know, plenty of coverage coming out and I'll be talking to people around him and uh, friends and former teammates and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, a lot of coverage uh, coming up uh, um, of former Shockers. And then obviously Wichita State has two big ones this week uh, at Cincinnati and, and Houston. So I'll be covering those games as well. Shockers with a week off in between the game with Houston at home and then at Memphis. Then basically that's the last week of the season. So once they play Memphis, you have uh, East Carolina or Tulsa and East Carolina to wrap things up. So pretty darn quickly we'll we'll have some of these seeding scenarios come together on the conference tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And we I mean we've talked at length of the show about, you know, how important it is to get that top five uh berth into the conference tournament to avoid the first game and uh, that that's kind of that should be the new goal I think for this team is to you know try to push for that top five and who knows you know maybe uh, eight eight losses a seven and eight record maybe that would uh, get you a tie for the the fifth seed we'll just have to see a lot of these middle tier teams have a lot of tough games uh, coming up a lot of swing games so uh, keep an eye on Cincinnati keep an eye on on UCF and uh, yeah Wichita State's gonna have to take care of business on their own too. Getting excited about trying for fifth place is a little difficult, but we'll have to do it over the last few weeks of the season. <laughs> have a good week. And Taylor, what should our listeners do? Got to rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net. <laughs>